I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to a new edition of Q&A, our regular podcast offering from the Hindustan Times. On Friday morning, Vikas Dubey was killed. Dubey, who came into national limelight when a week ago he allegedly led an attack on eight policemen who had come to arrest him in a Kanpur village, killing all of them, was on the run for five days. He was finally arrested on Thursday afternoon in Ujjain. It was on his way back from Madhya Pradesh to UP that he finally was killed. The police claim that he was killed when he tried to escape. But there have been a lot of questions raised about the manner of his killings, what Vikas Dubey knew, who protected him all these years, and why the criminal justice system in UP was not able to bring him to justice in the manner that the due process of law warranted. In this edition of Q&A, I'd like to look at Vikas Dubey and what the story of Vikas Dubey tells us about the story of the political culture, the criminal justice system, the manner in which the administration works, and most importantly, the rule of law in India. First up, what was Vikas Dubey's crime history and what does his story say about Uttar Pradesh? Vikas Dubey had 62 criminal cases against him, including several cases of murder and attempt to murder. But he had thrived. And the reason he had thrived is to do with the close interlinkages that exist between politics and crime in India. It is no secret that there are many candidates, many legislators, many MPs who have criminal charges against them. Why is this the case? As the political scientist Milan Vaishnav has argued in his excellent book, When Crime Pays, there are incentives, both on the supply side as well as the demand side, which lead to this enmeshed nexus between crime and politics. Electoral finance means that parties need candidates who have money. White or black does not matter. The failure of state capacity in India means that people... Citizens have to depend on their representatives to get work done. They seek leaders who can deliver. Those with criminal antecedents are seen as leaders who can deliver. Those with criminal backgrounds themselves don't just want to stay in the background. They want legitimacy. They want protection. That comes from political participation and electoral wins. Dubey was primarily a part of this complex nexus where he performed services for politicians he probably had a constituency of his own, loyal, either due to fear or due to patronage that he provided them. In return, the political system ensured 
that the administrative system, the policing system, did little to harm Dubey. The fact that the police system itself is corrupt helped. For Dubey, it can be assumed safely, was giving a slice of the cake to corrupt administrators and cops in return for protection. It was this nexus that enabled Dubey to thrive with rampant impunity for so long. What happened now was that in killing eight policemen, Dubey crossed a line. It was time to get him. What happened with the arrest of Dubey and the subsequent killing? While Dubey was arrested in Ujjain and was being brought back from Madhya Pradesh to UP, on Friday morning in UP, the police claims that the vehicle that was bringing him, transporting him overturned, Dubey tried to run. He took a pistol from a cop. When the cops ran after him, he shot at them. And in return, in self-defense, when the police shot him, he died. This story has several gaps. For one, it is now evident that Dubey's car, or the car in which Dubey was traveling, was not the car which overturned. Dubey seems to have been shifted from one car to another. Why? Two, why was Dubey not handcuffed? How could he run? Three, there are no, there is no substantial evidence to show why the car overturned in the first place. Four, a journalist or media contingent which was accompanying the convoy, following the convoy, was asked to stop a little before the site of the encounter. All of this has given rise to the suspicion that the police has engaged, possibly, in an extrajudicial execution. The question is why? Were there people who did not want Dubey to talk? Was there a story that Vikas Dubey would have narrated that would have exposed the political and bureaucratic linkages and patronage to crime in UP? For credibility, it is now essential that an independent probe be instituted by the UP government on both the nature and manner of Vikas Dubey's killing as well as his entire network. There are many who argue that even if he was killed in a fake encounter, this is fine. But it is not. Why is it that Vikas Dubey's encounter is a problem? Let's get some first principles straight here. Vikas Dubey was a hardened criminal. He, possibly, and most probably, shot the eight policemen dead recently. In many of the cases filed against him, he was probably, and I only use the word probably because of the presumption of innocence before guilt, which a court of law has to adjudicate, he was probably responsible. Such a man deserves punishment. But India also prides itself on the rule of law. There is a system in place. A crime is committed, the police picks up the perpetrator or suspects, questions all those who are suspected, all those who are witnesses. Evidence is amassed, interrogations are conducted, a case is built up. The court then decides the, on the merits of the case, on the basis of the law, whether the suspected party, the defendant, is guilty or not. That decision is then subject to appeal. Even Ajmal Kasab, caught red-handed in the 2611 attacks, got a trial. 
So while there may be an insatiable thirst for instant justice, while there may be no patience for due process that many may have, this is slippery territory because it allows functionaries of the state and political regimes to be arbitrary in the use of power. It is Vikas Dubey today. It could be somebody else tomorrow. You cannot endorse extrajudicial executions. Punishment has to happen through due process of law. This is essential to reserve, preserve the sanctity of rule of law as well as safeguard individual freedoms in any civilized society. Dubey's killing, if it is not genuine, and there is evidence to show that it is not all above ground, is a problem because of this. Is the system completely broken? Is there any hope for reform? Dubey's case shows that the system is indeed broken. Yes, there is always room for reform, but this reform will have to be comprehensive and require enormous political will, which seems absent. The reform will have to be in the political realm. Electoral systems will have to be changed. Political financing will have to be changed. There will have to be clearer laws which bar criminals from participating in elections. But it is not just the political system. The entire criminal justice system will have to be reformed. The police will have to be insulated from political pressures so that they can act and in an independent, non-partisan manner. It is only when there is this comprehensive political and criminal justice reform that we can see a glimmer of hope in tackling instances like the one that we just saw in Uttar Pradesh. Vikas Dubey's crime history, Vikas Dubey's death, is a reminder of the corrosive political culture of states such as Uttar Pradesh, the mockery of rule of law in a large part of the Hindi heartland. India, on Friday morning, may have lost a criminal. And that in itself, for many, may not be a bad thing. But it's important to remember that India also fell short of its principles. Its principles which center around rule of law, due process, essential for any democracy. This brings us to this edition of Q&A. If you have questions that you want us to answer, if there are issues you would like us to discuss, please write to us at podcasts at hindustantimes.com. Please also follow us on all our social media handles on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Smartcasts. Till next week, please stay safe. Thank you. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.